In today's episode from Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood, Pastor John Mark Caton explains how failure is never final through three examples of Peter, James, and John bouncing back from their own failures. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. All right, good job, Justin. Good to see you guys again today. Uh, grab your Bible as we go back to our five pillars. And uh, we have been looking at each one of these pillars, and we're in the fourth pillar on Be Strong. And we've been looking each and every week at uh, one week, we'll look at uh, someone in Scripture who failed uh, miserably in that area. And then the next week, we will look at a man that succeeded in that area. And today, we're going to look at the same three guys that we looked at last week. And uh, that, that really is an encouragement for all of us in this room that the three guys that we looked at last week, that failed in the area of being strong are the same three guys I want us to look at today and see that, man, they came back, they rallied back, uh, they understood clearly that failure is never final, that Christ specifically, uh, specifically gives us all another opportunity. And so if you're sitting here today uh, feeling like, uh, man, if I wouldn't have just made this mistake, if I wouldn't have backed away here, if I wouldn't have done this in my past, I want to encourage you. The three guys we're going to look at today uh, were the same three guys we looked at last week when they all three of these guys failed miserably. And we're going to see that those same three guys come back and they succeed uh, in a sweet and a special way when it comes to their faith and their walk and in the area of being strong. So it's the invitation to you. Now let's go back to our scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Uh, that's what we're looking at. It says, be on your guard. We looked at that. That's pillar number one. Number two is stand firm in your faith. Number three was to be courageous. Here's number four, be strong. And then beginning next week, we're going to look at do everything in love. Now, last week, we started looking at that idea of be strong. And we looked at three guys, Peter, James, and John. And those three guys were Jesus's inner circle. We talked about the fact that, you know, we all need friends, but we also need an inner circle of friends. We all have acquaintances, then we have friends, and then we have a couple of guys that, man, these are my go-to guys. Even among the disciples, Peter, James, and John were kind of Jesus's go-to guys. And so last week we looked at the fact that after Jesus had washed their feet, after he had instituted the Lord's Supper, that Jesus took them out to the Garden of Gethsemane, paused the disciples and said, hey, I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to stay awake. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. I'm going to ask you to be there for me. Then he looks at his inner circle of dudes. Peter, James, and John takes them a little further. And then he stops them and says, hey, you guys are my go-to guys. The three of y'all, I mean, even among my other disciples, Judas is now out. Uh, he, we know he's going on his way to betray Jesus. But even among the other disciples that were faithful, that were still there, these three guys, Peter, James, and John, were Jesus's inner circle. And so he takes them a little further because he's preparing for the hardest thing uh, that you and I could ever imagine. And what happens is these three guys let him down. But it doesn't stop there. Because sure enough, right there in the garden, Judas comes and betrays him. And these three guys deny him. Now, one we know, Peter, denies him once, twice, and three times. The only reason why I believe that James and John didn't deny Christ 
is because they chickened out and ran. How many of you understand? They weren't available for the inquiry. But at least Peter was close enough to look in to watch in, and he denied Christ. And that's what we looked at last week, that those three guys, man, of all people, the inner circle of Christ, the inner circle even among the disciples that Christ has chosen, let him down miserably. But today we look and we see these three guys are on their way back. When we closed last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus um, was there, he was on trial, and, and Peter had just come up close enough to look in. And then he's asked, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of his disciples? Weren't you with him? And Peter said, no, no, no. Three times, Scripture says, Peter denied Christ. And then if you read Scripture in the Gospels, it says at that moment, Jesus lifted his eyes up and looked at Peter. Can you imagine standing in Peter's shoes? That here you've just said, no, I'm not one of his. No, I'm not one of his. No, I'm not one of his. And then all of a sudden you glance back about the time Jesus raises his head and looks at you. Can you imagine how you'd feel? Have you ever been in a situation like that where, man, you know you've let a friend down? And then all of a sudden you know they've heard you've let them down. And that next time you make eye contact with them, that all of a sudden that feeling that comes over you, you can only imagine that the last time that Peter had seen James and John, Peter, James, and John had seen Jesus, he was be either being taken away or he was on trial, or for Peter, he looked up, Jesus looked up and looked into his eyes. But I love what we're going to see, and I want to start by looking today and talking about Peter because he's the one that uh, most people think of. Peter denied Christ once, twice, and three times. I, I love what happens in John chapter 21 because what we see is Peter gets the opportunity to bounce back. And so as we look at John 21, I want to encourage you with this, that if you have blown it, maybe you've blown it once, maybe you've blown it twice, maybe you're like Peter and you've blown it three times, and you wonder, does Christ still want to use me? Does Christ still want me to serve Him? Does Christ still want me to bounce back? John 21 is your place because what has taken place is Jesus is now, it's sometime pretty, pretty quickly after his resurrection, Jesus goes out, the disciples have gone back to fishing. Jesus tells, tells them how to catch some fish. He calls them on shore. They cook some fish right there on the shore. And all of a sudden we encounter this conversation in verse 15. And it says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, if, if it's one of those things, we're going to see that Jesus asked him this question three times. And there are a lot of reasons that uh, commentators have speculated. Well, why would Jesus ask him this three times? Well, it might be to remind Peter of his denial that you said no, no, no. So Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? But notice something else you may or may not see. He says, do you love me? What are those next few words? more than these. See, if you go back to the night that Jesus uh, was betrayed by Judas, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you're going to deny me. 
You're all going to deny me. Talking to the disciples, you're all going to. And Peter says to Jesus, go read it. He says, Lord, even if all these deny you, I'll die for you. And so Jesus takes his words, puts them back in his mouth, and he says, Hey, Peter, do you really love me more than these guys? Now notice Peter's response. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, here's a thought for all of us, guys. Notice what he says. He says, Peter, you've denied me once, twice, and three times. You've betrayed me in such a way as a friend that it saddens my heart. But I'm going to put you back into service, but I'm not going to just put you back into service to sit soaking sour, to rub your wounds. I want you to do something. And for guys, I want you to know when Jesus puts us back in ministry, there's always an action involved. Notice what he says. He says, feed my lambs. Man, part of what we're to do as guys, when God puts us back into service, when Jesus brings us back, is that we're to do something. What, is, what are we supposed to do? I, I think there's an idea of provision. Part of who we are as men is we're providers, right? Isn't that who we are? That we are to provide. That's what Jesus says immediately. Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to provide for those who are weaker. And, and for us as men, that means we need to provide the energy, the talent, the strength, our finances. Man, we need to be the providers for those who are weaker than we are. We need to be the ones that step up to the plate and says, says, if no one else will do it, I'm willing to do it. If no one else will help, I'm willing to help. If no one else will give, I'm willing to give. If no one else will be there, I'm willing to be there. And so I love that idea that you and I need to understand. Yes, it's great to think that Christ has forgiven me for all of my past sins. But He didn't forgive you to let you sit. He doesn't put Peter back into the service of sitting. He puts Peter back into the service of doing. An action. And the action is providing for others. Feeding my lamb. Now notice then, it didn't stop there. Again, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, the first response that Jesus gave him was provision. I don't want you to sit soaking sour. I want you to provide for those who are weaker than me. But here's what he says. I also want you to protect. He says, take care of my sheep. Provide for them. Those that cannot take care of themselves, I want you to do this. I want you to protect them. I want you to care for them. I want you to understand that, man, when we have children, these children that Dave oversees and these students that chase overseas, man, they are like sheep, as Jesus said, led to the slaughter. Man, Satan is like a ravenous wolf trying to look around for someone he may devour. And as we think about this, as men... When God puts us back into service, that we're there for a purpose, to take care of the lambs, to provide for the lambs, and also protect them. Then he asked him a third time. It says, then the third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
Man, for guys, there is always a to-do list. I really believe that God wove within our very DNA as men that we are to-do list guys. We are thing guys. Uh, if you do any study of uh, the differences, a lot of people don't think there are differences, but uh, you, we know there are differences. How many of you know there's a difference between a man and a woman, right? Man, the truth is, there is. If you look at the occupations that, that ladies are drawn toward, they are much more drawn towards occupations that allow them to interact with people. Men, on the other hand, are much more drawn to occupations where we are drawn to things. We like to build things, do things, construct things. We are thing guys. And so Jesus turns around, acknowledges who Peter was, and he gives him to-do list. Go protect and go provide. Those are things. Do that for the people, man, because those are things that you and I can do. Now, we can also look in this, and you've probably heard it before, in these questions, the first two questions, that word love, you don't see it in the English language, but in the Greek, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? The highest form of sacrificial, unconditional love. He looks at Peter the first two times and says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter responds, yes, Lord, I love you. I phileo you. All right? Phileo is where we get our... Uh, uh, our word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, how many of you, that's exactly what you think of when you think of Philadelphia, right? We all think of brotherly love. No, we think of them as the ones that threw batteries at Santa Claus. How many of you know, and snowballs at, at Santa Claus. That's what we think of. But it's interesting that Jesus, the first two times, says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally and sacrificially love me? Are you willing to do anything for me? And Peter, in honesty, says, Lord, I phileo you. Second time, Peter, do you agape me? Response, second time, Lord, you know I love you as a brother. Third time, Jesus actually drops down and matches where Peter is. The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me as a brother? I love this. Two thoughts. One is Jesus is always going to meet us where we are. Jesus is always going to drop down and he's going to meet us where we are. But he doesn't want us to stay there. I think that's the point. I think the first two times he asked him, that, do you agape me? He was saying, Peter, you know there's a whole lot of love left in your relationship with me. And that's where you and I need to remember where we are is, man, God has so much more for you. He doesn't want to leave you on the sideline. Jesus said, man, there is so much more for you and I to grow and love and serve and care for and provide for his sheep. And so Jesus wants to remind us through his conversation with Peter that it doesn't matter how many times you've denied him, he still loves you and, wants, and has service for you to do. But he also wants you to know, Regardless of how much when you sit here and think, man, do I love Jesus enough? The answer is it's not enough, but Jesus will take what you have, but he's not going to leave you there. Jesus will take what you have for him, but he's not going to leave you there. And so I love this idea that, man, Jesus meets him where he was, and then he brings you. Now continue to read on. In verse 18, we pick it up, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and went, to, went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, he's still talking to Peter, you will stretch out your hands. What is Jesus talking about here? He, I believe he's already telling him, Peter, you're going to die for me. 
Remember the crucifixion that I just experienced? He says, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. When you're old, and by the way, most believe it was about 34 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus that Peter was ultimately crucified. So he's older. He says, when you're older, when you're young right now, you can go where you want. When you're older, someone's going to stretch out your hands. Now, we're not told in Scripture how Peter died, but church history tells us that he was crucified. Church history also tells us that it developed such a love for Jesus that even in his crucifixion, he didn't feel honored enough to be crucified the same way Jesus was. But instead, church history tells us that Peter asked to be crucified upside down. I guess if you're going to be crucified, it doesn't matter whether you're crucified upside down or right side up. How many of you, do you think it would matter that much, right? You know, I don't think it would matter, right? Crucifixion is not a good thing. It doesn't matter whether you're upside down or right side up. It doesn't. But I love this. Jesus says, now listen, Peter, here's what your love is going to cost you. Now, Peter is still Peter. You say, how do you know that? Let's continue to read. Notice what Peter does. It says, and someone else will dress you and they will lead you to a place you don't want to go. What is he saying? They're going to stretch out your hands. They're going to take you to a place you don't want to be, want to go, which is ultimately your crucifixion. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would uh, glorify God with. Then he said to him, Peter, follow me. Now look at Peter's response. So Peter is still Peter. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Who was that? He's talking about John, the beloved disciple. And so Peter turned because Peter got it. Jesus put me back into service. Jesus forgave me. And Jesus just told me I'm going to die. All right? Notice Peter's question. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus uh, back in the supper, night of the supper and, uh, and asked, Lord, who is it going to be betray you? We know that's John. Look at what Peter said. When Peter saw him, John, he asked, Lord, what about him? All right? Well, what is Peter doing? He's trying to compare his end lot with John's. He's sitting there going, you know, Lord, you've told me that I'm going to be crucified. You've forgiven me, you've put me back into service, but you've also told me when I'm old, they're going to take me to a place I don't want to go. They're going to stretch out my hands. I know I'm crucified. He said this uh, as foretelling of his death. John look, uh, J Peter looks over at John and says, what about him? What about him? What do you think Peter meant? Uh, is his going to be worse? Is his going to be better? Is his lot in life going to be better? Is his lot in life going to be worse? And so here's the challenge for us, guys. When God forgives you and puts you back into service, don't ever live your life comparing your lot in life with someone else. Don't ever live your life comparing your life with someone else. Why? That's going to do nothing but make us unhappy. That's going to do nothing but make us unhappy. Have you ever looked at someone, let's be honest, we all have, right? Have you ever looked at someone and said, man, I kind of wish I had their life? You ever looked at someone that was really blessed of God and you thought, God, why haven't you blessed me that way? Now, sometimes there are some real reasons. Well, they've been faithful longer. They serve more. They put in more energy, they put in, put in more effort, and God's just blessed them. 
There are other times that you look at two dudes that they've given the same to God. They've served God just as much. They've grown in their faith. And it all of a sudden, it looks like, man, one's got this and one's got this. And so don't ever compare yourself to someone else. Know that God has uniquely knit you together, put you together in such a way that God wants to use you if you're willing to say yes. But don't ever be Peter looking and saying, well, Lord, what about him? Don't ever be Peter saying, Lord, what about him? Don't ever look with somebody at somebody else's life and how God has blessed them and be jealous of what God has done for them. And so as you jump down, verse 22, Jesus just answered and said, honestly, he says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What is that to you? Notice Jesus' refrain again. You must follow me. Regardless of your lot in life, Regardless of whether you have another five years, 20 years, or 50 years left to serve God, regardless, what is that to you? Your call is to follow Jesus. My call is to follow Jesus. My call is not to compare myself with other pastors. Our call as a church is not to compare ourselves with other church. What is our call? Jesus says it. You follow me. And then let God take care of the rest. Because God's appointed our days. How many of us understand that? None of us know how many we have. Well, we know Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said there's appointed for a man once to, uh, to be born and then to die. What do we know happens after death? Judgment. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that. What do you and I have? Man, it's in that dash. It's in that middle space that regardless of how long my dash is, my call is to follow Christ with all of my effort and all of my energy and everything I have, loving God and growing in my love for God, serving God and growing in my service for God, tending the sheep and feeding the sheep, providing for the sheep and protecting the lambs. That's what we're called to do. And if I do that in a faithful way from the beginning to the end, then that's when I can ultimately say, stand before God, and man, He's just going to look at us, men, and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all want? Well done. Well, what do we know about the difference between Peter? Well, Peter and John. Peter ultimately is crucified about 34 years. What do we know about John? Just exactly what he says. If he, if he stays until I return again, what is that to you? John was ultimately exiled. He stayed faithful out on the island of Patmos, wrote the book of Revelation. So sure enough, right here in this passage, Jesus puts Peter and John back into service, says one's going to die in about 34 years, one's going to die a lot longer than that. You're both going to be faithful. I've got you here for a purpose and a reason. Whatever your purpose is, fulfill it greatly. Then I love what Peter did finally say in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, be on alert and be sober-minded, verse 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Then if you jump down to verse 10, he goes, If you and I stay faithful and stand firm and don't let Satan trip us up again, look at verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered for a little while. We're all going to go through some things. We're all going to go through some things. 
He says, after you've suffered for a little while, little while, the God of all grace will himself restore you and make you strong. What's the fourth pillar? To be strong. So if you've fallen, if you've failed, if you've denied Christ, even if you've betrayed Him, the God of all grace can restore you and make you strong again. And then notice what He says, firm and steadfast. So here, what a beautiful thought. Thought number one is that Jesus took Peter after his denial, put him back into service. Peter looks at this same John and is jealous of John's lot in life. But if you fast forward just a little bit, and if you go to Acts chapter 3, you see Peter and John all of a sudden beginning to work together. So these two guys that uh, had a little animosity towards each other, a little jealousy towards each other, all of a sudden team up. All of a sudden team up and begin to serve God in some amazing ways. Guys, I'll tell you, I believe that can happen right here in, in this group. It can happen in this church. That there are some guys that kind of look at each other. How, how many of you, let's be honest, is there someone in this church that rubs you a little bit the wrong way? Be honest. Raise your hand. Okay, let's, uh, let me just ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed Frazier raised his hand. Did he point to or just raise his hand? Right? Uh, hey, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you another question. Don't raise your hand on this. Definitely don't point. Is there someone in here that rubs you the wrong way? Yeah, right? There are some people that we just don't mesh with, right? And if you look at Peter and James and John, these three guys are in Jesus' inner circle. There are some dialogues that they have with each other that they don't necessarily like each other that much, but all of a sudden when they both get on the same mission with the same purpose of protecting and feeding the sheep, all of a sudden they can do some incredible things together. Jump down to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now all of a sudden, Peter and John, they're no longer competing against each other. They're serving God. It says, one day, Peter and John, there's these two guys, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And it was about 3 in the afternoon. Now there was a man that was lame from birth, and he was carried to the temple gate every day, called Beautiful from Birth, being carried there, uh, where he was put every day so he could simply beg from those who were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John, these two guys, uh, I'm in verse 3, when he saw Peter and John uh, about to enter, he asked for money. Peter looked him straight in the eye, as did John. Then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave him the full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said to him, man, the gospel is the main thing. Silver and gold I have none. But what I have, I freely give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. Now notice what it says. These two guys that had failed miserably all of a sudden start working together. So these guys who were weak and they failed in the area of strength are now working together. And they're going to help some other dude who is weak become strong. See, that's the ministry God has for men who are willing to be strong is these guys who had failed at the point of strength and demonstrated weaknesses before the resurrection and before the crucifixion now are working together and they're using their strength to make somebody else who is weak strong. So notice what it says. He says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet uh, and ankles became 
There's that word again, strong. These guys who are weak begin to work together. Now all of a sudden these weak dudes have become strong, haven't become strong just for themselves. The point of being a strong man is to then I turn around and help the weak become strong. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in John 21? He says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. What does he say? Provide and protect. So guys, as we grow in our faith, it is not simply for our benefit. It's that you and I would look for others who are weak, who have fallen, who have failed, who have made mistakes. And now that we are strong in our walk and in our faith and serving God, that you and I would then turn around and pick them up and make those who are weak, make them strong. What an incredible thought. But it doesn't stop there. Jump forward to Acts chapter 4, verse 1. So now you've seen Peter and John. Instead of having animosity towards each other, instead of rubbing each other the wrong way, instead of being jealous of each other, they're working together. These guys who were weak are now making somebody else strong. Now you see these two dudes standing together, and they're not just making others strong, they are standing strong together, even in the face of imprisonment and being beaten. In Acts chapter 4, it says, The priest and the captain of the guards in the temple and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were preaching and speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles uh, uh, were teaching the people, proclaiming that Jesus is the one who res resurrected from the dead. Now pick it up. It says, They seized Peter and John because it was evening, and they put them in jail until the next day. Now fast forward a few verses. They had Peter and John brought in before them, and they began to question them, By what power or by what name do you do this? And then Peter begins to preach, who was weak, who had denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. Now he steps back and he says, here's who I preach in the name of. And he says, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which mankind must be saved. And look at this, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now notice, last week, we looked at Peter denying the fact that he was one of Jesus' disciples. Peter, last week, was denying that he even was with Jesus. This week, everybody looks at these two guys who once were jealous of each other. Now all of a sudden they're working together. They're helping the weak become strong. Now they're strong together looking in the eyes of the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. And they're saying, man, there is no other name by which mankind can be saved except Jesus Christ. These guys are looking down on them going, man, these dudes are amazing. But notice the words. They describe it. They looked at them and they said they were unschooled and ordinary men and they were astonished. And they took note. Guys, if you ever think, God can't use me because I haven't been to seminary. Can I tell you what? Peter hadn't been to seminary. John didn't go to seminary. You look over the history of the church. Some of the greatest men of faith had never gone to seminary. Many would look at them, and perhaps even some seminary professors and some pastors might say, well, they're unschooled and ordinary dudes. Can I tell you what? If that's who you are, 
God says, you're who I want to use. If your head's not too big and your chest isn't so puffed up that you're not willing to reach down and help someone up, God will use you in amazing ways. In such amazing ways that He will astonish others. You will astonish others with what you can do for Christ. And then if you jump forward, notice Acts chapter 5. So sure enough, they preach. They put them back in jail. They can't figure out what to do with them. So they just kind of look at them and say, and I'm in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. They said, listen, here's what we want you to do. We're going to let you go, but we don't ever want you to preach again. So how do you think these two dudes responded? Look at it in verse 17. It says, then someone came and said to the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin again, look. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts. What are they doing? They're teaching and preaching. At that, the captain of the guard went off to the officers and brought in the apostles again. These dudes are back in trouble again. Back to the principal's office of Jewish legalism. Man, these guys just don't get it. We told you not to talk anymore. All you had to do is just not preach anymore. All you had to do is not serve God anymore, and you'd have been okay. They walk right back out in the temple courts and start preaching again. They get called back in, and notice what happens. He begins to preach again. Peter, jump down to verse 40, and in his speech persuaded them. It says, they called the apostles in, and what happened is Ananias stood stood before them and said, listen, man, if it's of God, you don't want to be fighting against God. If it's of man, it's going to die. So he persuaded them not to kill uh, Peter and John at that time. So they called the apostles back in and had them flogged. So they had them beat. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. Look at verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. I mean, what an incredible thought. From denying Christ to exhibiting weakness to now all of a sudden these guys are so strong that they start preaching protecting and providing for those who are weaker than they are. Then they are caught up in by the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. They are told not to preach. What's their response? They go back and teach again. They serve again. They're loving people again. They're called back in. They're flogged. After being flogged, they walk out of there celebrating that they had been counted worthy of being flogged for the name of Jesus Christ. Guys, there is no doubt, if you and I serve God and love God, that there is going to come some hardship in our life. And I think if we look at our culture, we look at our space, that that it might be coming sooner than we think. That for your faith, you might lose a job. For your faith, you might get passed over for a promotion. For your faith, something might happen. But can I remind you, if you look at many places, yea, I'll say most places around the world, that is, that is the way it is for followers of Christ. Did you know that? If, if you're a Christian in China right now, Chinese are big fans of Christians, aren't they? What about those who are preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ in Muslim nations? You think they're sacrificing a little bit? Guys, some of the stuff that's coming our our way might be new to us, but it's not new to the faith. I'm going to say that again. Some of the stuff that might be coming our way, it might be new to us, 
but it's not new to the faith. And so we've got to be willing, regardless of what comes our way, to stand strong. You say, all right, Pastor, uh, you spent some time. Last week we talked about James, John, and Peter. Now, the James who failed. You say, whatever happened to old James? By the way, I'm not talking about James, the brother of Jesus. We could talk about him. I'm talking about James, the brother of John. They're called sons of thunder in Scripture. You say, whatever happened to James? Well, we don't hear a lot from him, but let me tell you how faithful he was. We know at the end of Peter's life, he was crucified upside down. We know John was exiled in Patmos. Look at Acts chapter 12. Let's find out what happened to him. Notice what it says. It is about that time that King Herod was arrested. There are multiple King Herods in the Bible. Uh, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. So what does that tell us? That yeah, Peter and John might have got the highlights. But James was right there faithfully serving to the end. Faithfully serving to the end. Do you think that James ever said, you know, I don't quite have the high profile job that Peter and John do. No. I think he just says, I'm going to serve. I'm going to bounce back from my weakness. I'm going to bounce back from my failure. And I'm going to be strong until my very last breath. And that's my challenge for you. Now notice as you read on. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, King Herod, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Now if you jump down, verse 5, it says, so Peter was kept in prison. We don't know a lot of what happened with Peter after this, but here's what we know. These three guys that failed miserably at the point of standing strong and being strong all of a sudden bounced back to be strong, to serve till their very last breath. And the invitation today is for us to do that very same thing. So let me close with a verse, and here's the verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. This is John. When he's writing, he says, I write these things to you, my dear children. I love what he does here, and get this. Regardless of your age, you're in this passage. Listen to it. My dear children, young ones in the faith, because you know the Father. I write these things to you, fathers, because you know Him, and you have known Him from the beginning. I write this to you, young men. What is he saying? If you're a child in your faith, or if you're a child physically, John says, I'm writing to you. If, if you're an old man, if you're a father, if you're spiritually long in the tooth and spiritually strong, he says, I'm writing to you. If you're a young man in the faith, in other words, man, some of your very best years are still ahead of you. John says, I'm writing to you. Well, what's he saying? He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God lives in you. Now, notice this. And you have overcome the evil one. You know, there might be times in our lives when we feel like we've done anything but overcome Satan. But I'm telling you, if you're willing to be strong, God will make sure you stand firm. So think of these two weeks together. Peter, James, John failed miserably. Jesus meets them where they are, puts them back into service.
They stayed faithful and strong to the end. What about you? What about you? What about you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity just to hang out with these guys and just be honest about men in Scripture who failed miserably at the point of being strong for Jesus. But because of your grace, because you are the God of all grace, you forgave them, put them back into service. God, I pray there are some children here today, some young men here today, and some fathers here today who will make a commitment to be strong and overcome the evil one till the very end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. You all have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.